Hello, everybody. It's Michael Martin. Happy Friday. Thanks for being here. So I got a great email uh, asking me to further explain what I meant when I said that I thought most uh, chart overlays or indicators, if you will, were emotional band-aids. That's a quote from the book, but I say it a lot enough on the show. And um, it comes from personal experience, right? I mean, I don't really try to put a stick in anyone's eye. I really just try to say here's where I kind of self-tortured my own self in uh, my learning process. And it, there's, it's a deep answer. I don't think there's, it's it's not meant to sound flippant or, or casual, right? Because it talks about a lot of human behavior, stuff that I was doing that I learned I shouldn't do or that I wasted time doing and things that I wish I had done a lot earlier. And so this might be a little longer than the normal episode because, you know, if someone asked me a question, I figure I might as well answer it as the best I can as opposed to saying, let me just say one or two things and getting it off my plate because it's a waste of time for me too and it doesn't serve, you know, the audience who might be able to benefit. And so I think the ethos in and around that, why do I think most overlays and indicators are emotional band-aids? Um, typically... I think the one general rule is that if you are, uh, what people would say, agonizing over a chart, there's no trade there. So if you find yourself looking at a chart and you're up time and you're down time and you can't very, very clearly see at a moment's notice where your entry is, either you don't have a set plan or there's no trade. So move on. And that I literally mean click on another ticker, you know, move on. What you can do over time is is learn a handful of chart patterns that might serve you, that you recognize, so that you can be much more economic with your time. So, for example, if you see something sell off, it rallies back a little bit, then it sells off again and puts in a new low, then rallies back. You might be able to say, well, this looks like it's going to form a head and shoulders down, so therefore I have to kind of wait for that second shoulder to form and figure out what's my trading strategy around there, around the larger time frame. When you, when you start tap dancing around shorter time frames, um, and, and that's it, that's as long as you go as the shorter intraday stuff, you're really looking at random data. So sure, you can put on size and risk two or three ticks. You know, people have been trying that since Jesus was a kid, but it doesn't always work. And so what I find for those of you who are just starting out or you're trying to deploy technical analysis because you come from a fundamental background and you should start with the larger time frames because it's easier to kind of look at that and conjugate the longer time frames with what your fundamental outlook could be. So this also helps investment advisors. But the other thing that goes along with the technical indicators and the overlays is that a lot of them use price as their input. And as soon as you start taking price and even creating like a 50-day moving average, right, that just simply tells you which way is the trend and what's the concavity, right? Is it Trend is up, trend is down. You can oftentimes, excuse me, see that in the price itself. It gets a little more sophisticated when you're looking at things like MACD, which in my mind's eye really only just confirm what you can already see in the price. So then you say, well, if you take out MACD, then what do you have to confirm? Well, your P&L, right? That's ultimately the, the, the judge and the jury. If you put a trade on, and you're making money. I don't care what MACD says. I care what my PL says. So you can you can use your PL as a replacement 
because it really tells you everything. It tells you what a position is doing P&L-wise, and it tells you what your overall equity is doing P&L-wise. And that, to me, should be the governing factor. Now, if that balance accelerates or decelerates at a certain level, now you're talking about portfolio heat, right? And um, that's where you can kind of figure out where's your sleeping point, right? My finance teacher in college said, you know, if you're having trouble sleeping, you have to sell down to the sleeping point. So some of you might like to have big positions and fewer of them. Some of you might like to have, you know, dozens of positions on at the same time. I think those can all work depending on how fast you can execute and liquidate your positions. If you have three dozen positions on at the same time and you're not using leverage, you know, it's going to be harder to make larger gains, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing, right? Again, you have to do and trade with a strategy that's congruent with your emotional makeup, at least for where you are right now. Doesn't mean that's going to always be the case. So I found myself looking at, when I really didn't know what I was doing, and I was learning the game, I knew that I could do it. I felt it in my body. That was the governing ethos, was that I knew I could achieve whatever I wanted to in my life, so that failing was not going to happen. It was going to be ugly for sure. And the results, if you had to you know, sit on the witness stand and show them to a judge and a jury, you know, you might have a lot of explaining to do, but the point being is that you're doing it. You're not sitting around taking pot shots at yourself. You're not taking pot shots at other people. You're actually putting on risk and learning how to do it, which I think is the best teacher out there, is just to do it. As I like to say, you can't paper trade your way into financial freedom, so you have to put the risk on, and that learning to do it with the risk on is going to teach you more because there's no risk in paper trading. That's just a game of accuracy that can make you feel good about stuff. But as soon as you start putting real money on the line, you'd be surprised how different your behavior can be. So to be frank, I wouldn't even waste time with play money or paper trading simulators. It's a waste of time in my mind's eye. Um, I'd, I'd go right to feeling the feelings that you might not want to feel because those are the ones that are trying to communicate with you and you're not going to get them in a safe environment of paper trading. That's for the gold star on the piece of paper that you can hang on your refrigerator. Who needs that? That doesn't mean anything. But I also realized that I was agonizing over charts and then trying to study technical overlays and actually like read up about them and what do they all do, which of course was a gigantic waste of time because I didn't have a clear vision for my overall behavior. So as I like to say, what's your intention? You have to act intentionally, right? That's nothing new. You have to do it in every area of your life. Um, begin with the end in mind, you know, how do you want your trading to serve you? What is it that you want your money to do for you? So that's the, really a macro overall type of rule or, or, or mindset. But then inside of that, you have what we call productive activities, things that add up to P&L that you know that you need to do in your daily routine that help you create the alpha and NPAs, non-productive activities, those that do not. And agonizing over charts really doesn't help you grow. Sooner or later, you have to make a decision and put the risk on, even if it means inviting loss. Because part of, if you're starting out, part of what you're doing is to try to develop a strategy with which you're compatible, and that's only going to happen when you put it on, put on risk and feel the feelings around managing risk. And those feelings can be feelings of boldness. It can be feelings of insecurity and everything in between. You can have, uh, I've just learned that lurking at short-term time frames doesn't necessarily help you manage risk any better. 
you need the that comes down to position sizing so I can save you a lot of time with that now again when you're managing risk you kind of come to find out the hard way that a lot of the things that you think are important aren't actually important they don't add to your P&L so you can eliminate those even if they seem popular in like social media or wherever you're sourcing your information you're going to find out that majority of it is useless the key is to listen inwardly and feel what you're feeling and write those feelings down because the managing the risk part triggers fight or flight mentality which is primal and it's awfully hard at the beginning without any trading unless you have an inner voice and you're kind of born with one and had a strong inner game like I did which is just dumbass luck you will find yourself you know always asking opinions well what should I do here and if I had this indicator what goes with it and then the next thing you know you've got 17 indicators on your chart all of which are very vague and junk up the screen and do more to you will find any indicator right that will talk you to stay into a trade when you don't know what you're doing because you need that reassurance that's what I'm talking about here that's how brutally honest you have to be with yourself but that's not to humiliate you or me right it's just to get super clear about what it is like why are you insecure and if you're insecure why do you insist on having to put this trade on do you feel you're going to miss out what's the feeling of missing out that there'll be no other winning trades from now until 2075 why is this one so important and if you find yourself believing the fundamentals so strongly like for example Tesla you know say you're a bull on Tesla or any of the electronic or hydrogen car game maybe you should be more of an investor on that stuff and not necessarily worry about your entry price right so there's there's different ways to approach managing risk but I think you have to be intentionally intentionally motivated so the next thing you can say when you're looking at your productive and your non-productive activities is say how does all this chart reading stuff serve me am I killing time during the day because I don't have anything else to do you know or do I look at the chart and it triggers a fundamental idea I get to call people and we can talk and debate the fundamentals till we're blue in the face everyone's got their opinions but no one's necessarily making any money so when you really write out the diet of your mind like well, how are you spending your day and your time blocking this stuff you'll find out how is how it actually is serving you and again it's not good or bad it is what it is right a is a you just want to get super clear on it and then investigate your feelings because most people are pleasure seekers so they seek to do the things that make them feel good would you like to have strong opinions that are always right about it things or do you want to make money because those two things can oftentimes be very very independent I know traders who don't know anything about the fundamentals but they make a lot of money because they know how to manage risk and they know they have a lot of emotional intelligence and they have a lot of self-knowledge I know other people who know you know encyclopedic information about stocks and the markets and the economy and this and that and they write fancy reports which get marketed to people and they get paid a fixed salary and they make their 60k a year and they're done and for all those smart opinions you know their own financial situation is not going to change all that much so you can figure out which side of it you want to be on I'm not making any judgment we're talking about the audience here is for people who are managing risk and trying to create alpha right not write reports or have opinions or be TV stars or social media stars all that stuff is more vanity and I can't figure out how to take vanity and turn that into an input into a trading system but the more you're willing to look at your own behavior and break it down <clears throat> and get super clear about 
you know, the things that you're working on, you can trace that and then delineate how it impacts your P&L. Then you look at routine versus ritual. Which of it makes you feel good? Which of it helps you make money? So you could find yourself looking at a chart, not seeing something, start to add overlays. Mind you, for every different ticker, you'll have different overlays because the point is to feel good about the chart. As you can imagine, that doesn't lead to profitable outcomes, not in the long run. Once in a while, you can get lucky and just be in the right place at the right time. You could put trades on, but then when you reverse engineer the thing, you come to find out that you were just, it was just dumb luck and what you were doing had nothing, didn't necessarily anticipate the move that you thought it did. And then the worst thing that can happen at that point is that you say, ha now I'm onto something, when in fact, the system is flawed. You just made money because you had good timing. So all of this gets super deep. I didn't get into that much of it in the book because the book wasn't a how-to book. It was more of a personal journey book. And we do more of that stuff in the, uh, in the consulting side of, of life over here. But I figure once a person knows who they are, finding out the right trading strategy or the risk management system is actually the easy part. Um, anyway, don't want to keep you on the phone here so long on a Friday, but if you'd like a free copy of the audiobook version of the Inner Voice of Trading and you don't already have it, you can get it for free at Martin Chronicle. Otherwise, I wish you a great weekend and I will see you Monday.